Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and grüezi everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Today I have a Swiss German guest and instead of hello, there is grüezi. Grüezi Davide, how you doing? Hi there, Jörn. I'm doing fine, and you? <laughs> doing great, thank you. Today I invited you because you have a, you're the co-founder of the startup Sirene, headquartered in Hessen, in lovely Wiesbaden. <laughs> and um, since this podcast is sponsored by Invest in Hessen, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the state. For everybody who's a new subscriber, Hessen is one of the 16 states of Germany, sometimes jokingly, Mallorca, due to the large German population there, is called the 17th state. But don't get fooled there. We only have 16. That said, welcome. I've been stalking you a little bit on LinkedIn, as I usually do with my guests. And it turns out uh, you've been a pretty classic guy working in a Swiss bank. How did you end up? Providing analytics for physical shopping carts. Yeah, uh, basically, I, I think every Swiss once has to go to a bank. No, no. Um, well, basically, yeah, it's uh, it started off or with a bank. I wanted to, as I, I as I wanted to study business, and I ended up studying business. I wanted to see whether the banking world is something for me. It ended up not to be something of interest, um, but. How did I come to sort of become a retail analytics expert and how did Sirene come about? Uh, basically, it all started uh, off with my personal interest to found a startup. I really wanted to found a startup at some point. I did it uh, after my bachelor with uh, some co-founders. Um, that I got to know really well, but we fucked it up majorly uh, because we sort of... Uh, um, miscalculated the greediness of certain partners and uh, the negotiation powers of certain partners. So we failed there, and then we said, "Okay, let's uh, continue our education." Then we, uh, then I started to do a master's degree, uh, and one of it being entrepreneurship. So I really wanted to know what is this all about. Uh, where I went to Rotterdam, and in Rotterdam I got to know my co-founders uh, for uh, Cyrene. Um, we sort of. Um, us, we, we stumbled upon the idea. So we did not create the idea or the, the core foundation of Cyrene. Uh, we sort of discovered it um, as we met Herbert. And Herbert is sort of the inventor of the core concept uh, of Cyrene. And we sort of got infected or I got infected by the idea while I was doing my master's. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And then we sort of, uh, for the first half a year, we sort of, Try to find the perfect market for it. Try to find the perfect fit. Uh, and as I as I knew marketing, online marketing, and and my co-founders as well, because they've also founded uh, startups in in the online segment. And 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 this is why we sort of came across uh, this offline marketing idea that we really wanted to push forward. And yeah, this is how it came about initially. So, so all my background, I really wanted to do something myself. And then I discovered the perfect opportunity and then I went for it. Let's back 
up a little bit. I've yeah. heard nice things about Rotterdam. Uh, many people <laughs> know it for the harbor. Can you tell us a lot of nice things about the city? Well, basically, uh, I, I didn't, I haven't been to Rotterdam before I studied there, and then I really fell in love with the city. Um, so the harbor is obviously as big as the city itself, um, but you don't necessarily see it uh, the whole time. You just see the huge ships passing you um, from the from the river, and then in at the university, it's a university town. Uh, it has. The lovely Dutch people, uh, they're super friendly, super open-minded. Um, also my co-students, as everybody wanted to study entrepreneurship, everybody was really open-minded when it comes to juggling new ideas. Um, the, the city itself, lovely food, uh, not necessarily the Dutch food in itself, because this is sort of, uh, it's snacks and, and fast food, but I have to say, they can cook really, really well when it comes to urban uh, kitchen. So I can really recommend it. Um, it's also really close to Amsterdam. It's like half an hour if you want to jump to the city central. And yeah, it's perfect. I really like it. I can go there and have some bitter ballen and some oily boiling in the winter and, and enjoy the Dutch weather. <laughs> Well, Dutch weather is not necessarily worse <laughs> than the German weather or the British yes, weather. That said, um, you've been talking about you screwed up one startup. What did you do and what went wrong? And especially important, what did you learn from there? Well, we, we basically were in Switzerland. So the startup was founded in Switzerland and we really wanted to tap into the market that the Swiss uh, love to commute. And we sort of saw the idea uh, or a similar idea in, uh, in, in the US already, which is ClassPass. So we sort of wanted to introduce a Bahncard 100, so a card where you can uh, you go unlimited and use something uh, uh, with unlimited power. And we wanted to introduce it for the fitness community, community because in, in, in Switzerland, we didn't have it. We, we did have a lot of small chains, fitness chains. But if you commuted from one city to the other, you basically could not do sports in the other city. So we said like, okay, uh, we want to introduce this in, in Switzerland. Uh, but we said also, um, this has already been done. So a com uh, someone has already come up with this idea. So we sort of became a franchisee. So we founded the company and, and licensed the idea or, or the brand uh, from from a Dutch uh, from in the Netherlands, and then we sort of fucked it up because we sort of we had an agreement with them. We were really successful in acquiring gyms, and and we wanted to go live with the with the customer side, but then they became really greedy and sort of tried to renegotiate the whole contract uh, of using their brand. And then we said like this is not a lucrative business anymore, and so we backed out. It was a hard decision. Um, long nights, we looked each other deep in the eye and said, like, okay, are we really going to finish? Are we going to this whole year? Do we say, okay, we cut it off? And we said, like, yes, we do, uh, because it's the right way to do. We wanted to be flexible. We wanted to be self-sufficient. We want to do our own thing. And uh, this is the learning out of it. So you sort of, uh, in the beginning, you, you can really go uh, for it. You can trust each other. But at some point, you also have to write stuff down and, and get the legal framework uh, before it, it hits the, like, it, it, before it actually seems to be successful as well. So you sort of... Uh, 
Yeah, you have to have to do the groundwork. <laughs> Let me back off once again a little bit. You yeah. know, if there's no detours, it's not startuprate.io. We <laughs> are right now, as we record this in the morning of the 16th of September, we are in the podcast charts of Germany, Indonesia, and Singapore. And I feel the need to explain to all people not from Germany what Bahncard 100 actually means, <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's a typical, every German knows it, but outside of Germany, there, there may be some cultural references missing. So basically, <laughs> Die Bahn is the German railway operator, former monopolist Deutsche Bahn. And you can basically buy frequent customers discount cards. They're called Bahn card. And if you buy a Bahn card 25, you get a 25% discount for one year. If you buy 50, you get 50% discount. And if you buy 100, you can basically hop on any train you want and use everything for free. I do believe it's in the area of several thousand euros a year, this Bahn card. That's it. Okay. <laughs> You learned something um, about not renegotiating re contracts when you <laughs> first settled for one. That's fine. And I, I was, uh, I'm a little bit curious. Did your franchisee giver, the American company that wanted to renegotiate the contract, did they actually succeed in terms of uh, getting a toehold in Europe after you guys uh, said no way? Uh, well, basically, for for us, our franchisor was was, was a Dutch a Dutch company. They um, still exist, um, so they are uh, sort of operating. They're not operating in Switzerland, <laughs> uh, which is a pity. Um, but they are operating uh, in the Netherlands, in in Germany. They were actually bought by a German company now. So in in Germany, there are many um, startups or startups. It's a rocket internet startup that does something similar. It's another startup that does something similar. They're like five to six years old. Now now um so yeah they're they're still operating um but i think there's a, a growing competition as well with basically here in germany we have uh, fitness first which is just huge or MacFit, which is huge which has chains all over the country so also in, in switzerland it started to have a lot of fitness chains where you have different uh locations so we wanted to tap into the, the first mover advantage but now it's uh, basically gone in switzerland um But yeah, we learned, well, I learned basically not only renegotiating contracts, it's also you can be really successful if you just go for it. Um, so we, we, we learned, okay, we can convince the fitness chains, we can convince customers, which was really, really nice. Uh, so the first time you're like, Uh, doing something on your own, your own idea uh, and how you want to apply it. So this was the thing I got positively out of it because I wanted to do it again. And for me, it wasn't basically, it was about the idea, but it also was about the people executing the idea. And that's why sort of in, in Rotterdam, I got to know these two guys uh, that were as driven as I was when it came to entrepreneurship, but also grounded in sort of this operational aspect. So they really wanted to To, uh, execute on an idea really, really well. I think this is also something uh, we in Germany, 
we're really good at. So we have an idea and we really execute uh, it really, really well. Um, and this is why we sort of, when we came across the idea um, of Cyrene or of or, or the core idea of Cyrene, we said like, okay, we, we can find a nice market for this. So we found a really, really nice market and we found a really nice business model behind it. So we sort of had the technological aspects covered um, when we came across it and then we just had to uh, develop, develop the rest, the rest. And, this and this is how we how came we about, about it. it. What we'll all, all happened next, next to our, our masters. masters. So the first, first year was basically, basically studying, studying went down, down. <laughs> startup went, went up, up and you 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 um, started, started to choose, to choose your, your curriculum, curriculum according, according to what, what helps, helps your startup and not what helps in uh, understanding uh, uh, while my co-founders co are studying accounting and finance so they really just went for the venture capital aspect and 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 the business plan aspect and not anything else anymore and i i went more into the legal aspects of founding a startup so it was really nice to use the education to 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 directly apply it to to your own company ha First time you feel money not wasted, okay. But um, <laughs> to to take everybody on board here with our podcast, le le let me try to understand uh, one more time how you actually bumped into the idea. Did you, did you drive your shopping cart through Reva, which is a big <laughs> retailer here in Germany, and said, oh, damn, I wish I would have analytics for that. <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, basically, well, basically um, um, to be honest, to be one honest, of my co-founders was my flatmate. Uh, so, uh, we so we lived together, together in Rotterdam, Rotterdam and, and he came across Havet uh, and uh, they sort of they talked sort of about this idea, idea um, of Cyrene. Um, and he sort of he got sort infected, infected first. first. Uh, you have to uh, imagine he was then really hyped and he was like, okay, Davide, I have to get you on board as well. And he was nagging me the whole time to also meet him and meet up with him. And then we sort of met up as well. And we met up uh, in our apartment on the couch and discussed uh, the whole aspect. And, and I invested uh, several months into also looking into the markets as well. And at some point, I, I believe it was January or February, we all said like, okay, let's go for it. We, we really want to go do it uh, because uh, we had been like the senior aspect um, in our team with Herbert and, and, and the younger, more driven aspect with uh, Ben Cyril and I. And, and we said like, okay, this is a nice team constellation because we have sort of the expertise on the one side and we have this we have naivety this and, 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 and like the like dynamic, dynamic power, power uh, to uh, sort of, sort of uh, do it. Do it. And, and, and to be to honest, be honest um, why, why did it become, did it become um, um, a company, a company that, that does retail, retail analytics in supermarkets? supermarkets. Uh, for, uh, for me, me um, I, I did not did have not that have much to do with uh, retail, retail in, in, before, before I, I came I across, across this idea. idea. But, but I had, I a, had lot a lot to do with marketing, with marketing and I had and a lot to do with like structuring marketing campaigns as I worked for an agency, as I did it for the startup before, before and, and we sort, we sort of, of um, saw that, that there is a there is need in the in offline the segment. segment what do what I mean do with I mean offline so everything that's not Google, Google Facebook, Facebook and co, co. So, so, so banners, banners um, TV, TV radio, radio. There's, something there's something to do in marketing, marketing offline to make it more transparent to make it more analytical and we sort of defined the supermarket as the last moment of truth so where a shopper takes 
the last, the last decision, decision because when you go when into you go a store you normally, normally say like okay i want to buy pasta or i want to buy a sauce, sauce and stuff like this but you don't know exactly what ex what you want to have and we said like we said okay like, we're gonna, gonna introduce, introduce a marketing, a marketing channel, channel uh, to the uh, supermarket to first of all give an inspirational advertisement and then analyze how effective it was but i will explain this a little later how it exactly works but this is where i come from so i come rather from the online marketing segment where, where I knew this, this is already, already possible, possible and I discovered, discovered that it's, that it's not, not possible, possible offline and I wanted, and I wanted to, change to change that. that. Uh -huh, I see. First, another cultural reference because you're always talking about Habert, which is a German first name. It is yes. one of your co-founders. We, we yes. may add this yes. for everybody. Secondly, I've, I've been thinking and um, since I started StartupRate.io more than five years ago, I always uh or uh, let's say i frequently talk to marketing people who want to do this with me that with me this with me that with me <laughs> and actually um not to mention that it's quite tiresome because they always back out but on the other hand they seem to be totally reliant totally overconfident on some kpis when you dig down deeper that are actually just uh, some numbers somebody says mm, yeah let's do something like yeah. this and they completely and utterly trust this do you think marketing uh, don't don't get me wrong there there's a uh, uh, great use of kpis there is need of kpis in marketing but do you think that sometimes the over reliance There is an over-reliance on KPIs in marketing, especially online marketing. What do you think? Yeah, to, yeah, to, to be honest, honest um, it, it obviously is a trend, is a trend that, that there is uh, online marketing and, and the high reliance of uh, data, data science now being moved into to the marketing segment. And there are many, many agencies and marketing agencies telling you how to do it better and it can always be improved and and you have to do it differently and you have to use different channels and and then they show you these nice metrics behind it how how it can be improved um to be honest um i have to say even we are we have most of the time we have to do with offline marketing and there It really, it really is not is a not science, science uh, how um, the KPIs, KPIs are calculated. It's rough estimates or it's studies being done three to four years ago, how, how, what, what the audience, audience could be looking like, like or, or who is your target, target customer. customer. Um, um, so, so for... for, for For us, it was, it was, we had one trend, um, or here in Germany, one trend in marketing that we did not want to tap into. It's like the personalization, because we think it's going into um, a direction that needs to be um, guided a little bit more. So as we had like these scandals with Cambridge Analytica, like psychographic targeting and stuff like this. So this is the direction we did not want to be associated with when we, when we developed our idea. But we also wanted to, on the other side, offline marketing, which is really, it's, it's grounded in numbers that have to be adjusted and have to be validated. Um, so we wanted to strike the right balance between being transparent in our marketing approach uh, without tapping into like the personal sphere of a, of a shopper that is inside of the store. Uh, but coming back to your question with the KPIs, 
Um, it either is a too high reliance on KPI, I have to say, and then the creativity gets lost, um, or it is just gut feeling. So we are talking to many marketing officers that, that highly rely on their gut feeling, um, which most of the time it was successful for them, and, and it's then hard to sort of introduce new aspects that could work. Um, but it's always fun to discuss with them, <laughs> with our clients, uh, how they can improve and uh, where, where we can find actionable insights uh, with the marketing campaigns. So yeah, it's uh, to be honest, I think we have to be grounded in data, but not every decision has to be taken uh, just solidly based uh, on data. It also has to be true to the brand. It has, has to be true to yourself. Um, so startups or large corporates, they have to sort of uh, be, be creative as well and not just try to optimize the conversion rates and uh, opening rates and stuff like this. Um, so it, it is a balance, I have to say. I actually do feel the same. You have to combine KPIs with gut feeling, for example, um, Google Google Ads, you may know if you uh, bumped into our website and discovered startuprate.io. That way, we're using a lot of Google Ads. And actually, yeah. they suggest like a thousand uh, possible AdWords. And most of them don't make sense. So you have to make a decision there based on gut feeling. And then you can get yes. back to the KPIs. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. <laughs> that said, um, let's take a little walk. Um, can you tell us how, how it actually feels? Let's imagine me uh, driving my shopping cart <laughs> in a river. Actually, what, what never happens to me is I have something in mind. I need to shop, but basically I, uh, my wife says you need to go grocery shopping. I go grocery shopping, uh, take the shopping cart in into the um into the river then i opened the bring app actually also something from switzerland and then i realized oh damn we need to buy such a lot of stuff because my wife is happily typing all the stuff we need uh during the time i need to get by car to the grocery store so let's imagine yeah, yeah. a really stressed out joe uh just opened uh his app uh at the shopping cart and entered the retail store so What, what will happen to me? What you guys are actually doing, um, to, to analyze this? Yeah. yeah happy, happy to guide, to guide you through our, uh, customer, customer journey. journey. Um, Well, first of all, you, you mentioned a really nice point, and this is why personalization uh, in the supermarket doesn't work, because you have a shopping mission, and it's uh, your wife's uh, bring list. Um, but but uh, mentioning this, so you have basically how do we operate? Uh, we installed identification devices in the, into shopping devices, uh, so shopping trolleys and so forth, and our system is basically composed of or our Our hardware, so hardware aspect is its screens, screens. So, really, so really um, um nice looking nice screens looking installed of the shopping, of the shopping aisles. aisles so you so basically you where you walk where you past walk where the products are next, are next to you, to you. Uh, we have like we have around like five around to six five screens, screens uh, inside of stores and, and what happens, what happens is, is when you, when you are, are in front of a screen like five to six meters it identifies not you Jörn it identifies the shopping trolley 157 and it Defines, defines 
<laughs> I I see. So it doesn't define Joe, but a stressed out guy with with a start <laughs> of a beard who's losing his his top hair. And actually, you track this guy and not me personally, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we don't we track don't you track at all. We don't even don't know, that, know that, that, it's that it's male or female or, female or whoever. whoever. It's, it's really, really just really about just the shopping, about trolley. shopping trolley. And, and um, we sort of we then sort of define what kind of situation are you in? Is it a Monday morning where you're really stressed out, or is it more of a Friday evening purchase, or is it warm outside? Is it cool outside? Where are you actually inside of the store, and and how does it how does it work? And then we define the best ad that is being played to you. And as and we are as only, we are doing, only it doing it contact-based, so, so when, you when you approach, it plays you an ad, we also can also add can sounds add to it. To because it. normally because you have like these like loops inside of stores that really that annoy you at some you point because, because it's always the same, always the same uh, sound, sound and stuff. And, and stuff. we like developed the technology that only is directed to you and you hear the commercial. So then the sound will direct your eyes to the screen because away from your app. And so you sort of Sort of what, 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 happens what happens then, then whether you get whether inspired, you get inspired by, the by the commercial or not, or not um, is really up really to many up factors. This is something, this is something um, um, we just we know this shopping trolley came in contact, let's say, with a Coca-Cola commercial. commercial. Then, you then you continue your shopping, shopping journey, journey and then we know, then we know for the next for the screens you came, uh, you came across, you came across um, uh, a barbecue commercial and then you came across a yogurt commercial. And then what we do, and this is the beauty of the system, is we combine it at the end. When, and you when you left the left store the and you happy, happy, happily bought everything, everything you needed, you needed. Um, then we then combine, we combine it, with it with your, your uh, basket. basket. So, we so we basically, basically know, know okay, okay, shopping trolley 157, 157 bought Coca-Cola. Um, and then we have a huge data set of evaluating whether it was due to the commercial or not. So this is basically transferring the online logic to, to the offline segment where you say like, okay, someone clicked on your commercial, someone went into, uh, added a product to your basket and someone converted. And this is what we, our customers are brands like Coca-Cola, Barilla and, and, and brands like this who advertise, who want to reach a certain audience size and who want to know, know whether, whether their campaign, their campaign, was, campaign effective was effective or not and why it was effective or not. Normally, we, we do a lot of A-B testing um, with campaigns. So you have like, maybe you have seen the commercial last year with Atze Schröder from uh, Wiesenhof where they had like uh, Regewurst, uh, which uh, was uh, had a hemp flavor and the other one was a normal one. Uh, and they wanted to know which one works better or which one doesn't. And we sort of uh, ran these commercials and, and tested it and could, and could base, base it on, it on real, real sales. sales. So we really, so we really know, know, okay, what is okay, being, what is sold, being sold, sold and what was the, the conversion, conversion rates and we and give we them give really them nice really insights. insights. And, this and this is something that is totally new, new to our customers, customers or not totally, or not totally new, but it's something, something that they only know from online. And as our customers are so-called fast-moving consumer goods, so FMCG clients, so products that you normally buy in supermarkets, they do not normally advertise online. online. So Procter so & Gamble, Gamble spends a billion, a billion of, marketing of marketing sales in Germany, Germany alone, alone, and 95% is on, is on TV, TV ads. ads. So, you, so basically you basically have, have this, this 
um, non-measurable medium or, or not as accurately measurable medium TV, and we try to sort of tap into this potential. So we, we don't see ourselves as an in-store um, channel and tapping into the in-store media spendings. We see ourselves into tapping into um, the marketing budgets and, and, and sort of um, making it possible for these clients to know uh, how, uh, how effective, effective a campaign, campaign was, or, was not. or not. Ha. First, uh, I have to say, damn, I'm getting hungry here. <laughs> Secondly, yeah. uh, we may also add again for cultural references, Atze Schröder is a German comedian. So it's, it's, it's a persona. It's an artist name, Atze Schröder. Uh, we link the, 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 the video, the commercial you were referring to down here. Then I have one question. And yeah. one idea. So basically the question you started with an, with a reference at the beginning. If it's hot or if it's cold. Um, of course I buy totally different in winter and in summer, but do have a few degrees Celsius actually, do they make an impact on my shopping behavior? Uh, yes, uh, they, yes, they, they do. They do. <laughs> um, so we, so we, we obviously we have we have certain we have many, we have many uh, brands, uh, brands that wanted to notice. Uh, we, uh, we also had we advertised ice cream in winter, winter which was also, which was also a really uh, interesting really approach interesting because, because because it was because sort of um, an ice cream brand that wanted to know whether it works or not. And we advertised barbecue sausages, as I just mentioned. And yes, it has a strong impact. So temperature has a strong impact on your purchase behavior. Depending, depending um, obviously, um, obviously on the product, product category. category. Um, um, so we, we, so found we found it obviously for, for ice cream, for barbecue, for barbecue but also for but other, other uh, products that it has an opposite effect. effect. So the colder, so the colder it, gets, it gets, the, the, the better, better advertisement, advertisement works. works. So we, so we, we normally, normally tell our clients, tell our clients um, um, it, it has a, like, obviously you sell more if the weather is good when it comes to sausages or obviously you sell more when it comes to ice cream, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're that your, your, your advertisement your works better, works better so, so that you so convert, that you convert more, people, more people uh when it's uh, hot when it's because hot, if because everybody if wants to buy ice cream, cream anyway, anyway um you have you this have uh, baseline, uh, baseline uh, that, that uh, wants that to go, go for it but then the but question, then the question is, is is it also is it then also effective an to run a campaign or not and and this is like the questions that we try to answer together with them um to sort of say like okay maybe it was maybe it wasn't um yeah but that's basically where we go but yes your shopping Behavior is, behavior is highly dependent, dependent on, on situational, situational factors. factors. So, so what kind of what mood kind of you're mood in, you're uh, in what time it is a day, um, um, and and what and uh, what weekday what it is, uh, and where and you're where actually you're in the store. In the store uh, and it is also dependent also on what kind of marketing, of marketing impressions, impressions you had before. You had before. So, and, so and and this is this is this is the beauty of the system. We can sort of also incorporate all TV campaigns and radio. Marketing, marketing measures, measures. We, 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 have we have these, these as, everybody as everybody has the same, has the same likelihood, likelihood to have come in contact, come in contact with them and then we sort of tell our clients how effective, how effective uh, then, uh, then to add to, to a Sirene campaign, campaign was. And, and this the is really nice. The more you talk, the more questions I have. <laughs> let, let, me, let me quickly structure this. Uh, can you answer us in like two or three questions? How did, j just out of pure curiosity, how did this advertisement for the ice cream maker during winter actually go? And did you also see like in Germany, there is a 
we still call it winter, but it doesn't get that cold anymore. Uh, there are certain uh, types of ice cream you get mostly in winter, which are very delicious, like gingerbread flavor <laughs> and uh, all that good stuff. Um, did this have an impact? And then comes my idea that I was referring to like five minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah um, so basically, so basically for, for, the for the winter campaign, winter campaign um, to be honest, to be it honest, had, it had more, more of an, of an um, like the temperature like did not have that much of a significance, significance uh, during that period of time. It really was the flavors uh, that uh, spiked um, or certain flavors that spiked cinnamon, uh, obviously in certain flavors that uh, rather uh, were not as effective. Um, but the thing that Germans most respond to and in combination with our advertisement as well, and it does not come as a surprise, is discounts. So if something is on discounts, um, yeah, you basically basically sells 200 percent uh, more, and then it's and then always the always question, question whether you want to follow up with a with a with a campaign. campaign. So whether you so want to mention the discount, discount or, not, or not, because we can like hyper localize uh, our advertisements uh, to, uh, to sort of, of have the price mentioned or have it not mentioned. And this is like the best combination in Germany when you sort of mention today you save 20 percent on whatsoever that the people people respond. The most, the most to it, also, also uh, to, uh, to to ice cream. Ice cream um, uh, to be honest, um, so, so I think. I think as we, as, as we, in Germany, as Aldi and Lidl and stuff and became stuff big, became um, big uh, the Germans are, are, are prone, prone to be, to be uh, open uh, for discounts the most. The most. <laughs> I have to say, have to say. <laughs> that was what I would have guessed, and I would have also made the reference to Aldi and Lidl, two German discounters <laughs> who are actually active. I think almost across the world. Uh, of course, you'll find a link in the show notes. That said, when you've been talking, I had an idea because have you ever thought of making it useful or interactive? What I had in mind is when I get into the shopping cart, I usually have my very hyperactive 14-month-old baby boy in the shopping cart. And I would imagine that I spend much more time in front of an advertisement screen if there's something that keeps my baby boy entertained while I go and fetch something, uh, for example, a dance, a dancing comic figure or something. And yep. that added then uh as you've been talking another question comes comes to mind is there different shopping when you do have a, a kid with you i assume you're more straight go this 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 that and minimize mm. the time in the grocery store yeah, um, so, so basically what the current system uh, that we're applying is, is screens that hang above you. Uh, so the, the interaction uh, capabilities um, there are limited, but we can always expand the ecosystem of the system. Uh, of, and, and the product is actually called not Sirene. That's the company. The product is called CAP, which means connecting ad impressions with purchase. So it's an acronym uh, for that one. And we can always expand the ecosystem uh, there as we sort of developed everything ourselves. Um, so we don't have like any, any puzzle pieces that we don't know of. Um, as for your kid and, and the interaction with the kid, what we uh, definitely do right now is we sort of know which 
shopping trolleys as there are special shopping trolleys uh, for toddlers and, and smaller kids. Uh, we, we identify them and we can sort of target uh, these uh, trolleys as well. Or we can also leave out certain commercials. Because um, one of the only spaces in, in Germany, like if you want to advertise alcohol and stuff like this, you can sort of then say like, no, we don't advertise it to these uh, groups of people uh, because we don't want to want to influence someone uh, there. Um, but the interactive capabilities, we can we, we are definitely going into uh, R&D in that direction. We are expand, expanding there. Um, so it's a nice input. Uh, I really like it. Uh, and we, we can we can look into this. And yeah, to be honest, um, for, for us, uh, how, how did it come about like with the story? Um, for us, it was 2000, uh, like when we started while our master, we had to sort of get, and this is also why we located uh, here in uh, Germany, um, we had to get like retailers on board, but we also had to get uh, media agencies on board because we do not normally talk to our clients like uh, the, the um Barilla and and, uh, and other brands, they are normally hosted by or uh, guided by media agencies. And this, these are the people that we work with the most. And these also have really creative ideas and, and also want to look at the whole customer journey. So not only the store. And this is this is really interesting for us as well. Yeah. That is a quote worth to be put on the blog post. We don't really <laughs> talk to our clients. <laughs> Love that. You've been already referring to uh, your location here in Germany. Um, you're not located in Frankfurt, but in Wiesbaden, for everybody who's yep. not from Germany. <laughs> that is the capital of the state of Hessen, where yes. Frankfurt is located. And since this is sponsored by Invest in Hessen, this interview, what does actually hasn't mean for you and why did you locate here well basically as i'm swiss um i just came to frankfurt like before sarina came to frankfurt uh, on holiday or to to, to to meet friends or to fly from frankfurt because it's cheaper than flying from zurich um, but when, when it all changed, changed uh, with, with Sirene, Sirene, so we so basically, basically why, why Hessen, why Wiesbaden? It has several reasons, to be honest. So one reason is, as we found our institutional investor here in Hessen, um, together with a, with a business angel uh, that's situated in Switzerland. Um, then we found a strong academic partner here in Hessen, which is the European Business School that we work with closely as we sort of um, created an academic board constituting of the European Business School, the University of St. Gallen, and the Babson College uh, in America as well. And this was sort of the reason or the easiness to be close to these partners. And also we had the opportunity to use an uh, office space. So we, uh, together also with a partner, where we have like storage facilities and really nice insured vaults because we have like these huge screens that we had to configure and stuff. So we said like, okay, let's jump on this opportunity to be located in Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden is beautiful. It's actually also located quite nicely to Mainz, which is a student town. So actually, even though I've never been to Wiesbaden before I, uh, I moved with the office uh, of Cyrene, I, I fell in love with the city, I fell in love with the region, I fell in love 
obviously with the white wine that is uh, being produced here as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's as a Swiss, it was unusual to sort of become an immigrant in Germany, but uh, I haven't regretted it since. <laughs> That is good to hear, especially I like that you mention uh, Mainz because it's my native city. And of course, Wiesbaden is very beautiful. They have a lot of towns with very a uh, lot of places in the town with very nice, very old villas and places. And they even have a casino there. <laughs> Whew, that was a long interview. We are running now at 39 minutes. Just want to say, Davide, thank you. It was just a pleasure having you here. Um, thank you very much and hope to hear back from you again. Yeah, yeah thank you, Jan. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, the opportunity to introduce you guys uh, to Sarin and what we're doing here. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring. Thank you.